All right. So I am excited about today's episode as a way of me getting caught up with questions you've been sending in. And uh, before I get to those, and we're going to cover all kinds of things like what to do when somebody steals your idea in a meeting to uh, different things that you're processing, maybe with big, important relationships. So I'm going to walk through those. Before I do, I wanted to share some really cool news with you. Um, I look at my life and I go, wow, I've had some really tough moments like you and some amazing moments like you. And the weird thing is that I had three, what I would consider peak moments in the last two weeks. Um, it's really special to me that I can share these with you because I want to encourage you on how critical it is, everything that I'm laying out for you, to live and lead from that relaxed interior world that you have a secure identity so that you're not putting your identity on the line and all you do, you can enjoy relationships, right? That's what it all goes back to. We're secure in who we are. It overflows to a clear expression in our doing, our mission, the fulfillment of our roles, which builds healthy community. So a few of those moments. Well, one of them I can't tell you about yet, Uh, and I'm not trying to be weird about it. I just want to share the win that I I had this really great moment, but I will be able to in a few months. Uh, But two of the moments I do want to tell you about, one was, you know, my wife and I celebrated 17 years of marriage uh, just a couple weeks ago, and any marriage, I heard this quote years ago, is full of many divorces and remarriages. It just needs one more remarriage than divorce because you're going through these cycles of learning how to enjoy each other and grow and things that happen where you might get frustrated or irritated or hurt. And I could go through so many stories from our relationship, but for both of us to keep showing up, being engaged and not being engaged relationally, but you get what I'm saying, being engaged, present in the moment, um, For both of us to do that, what it means that we're building this cumulative trajectory to get to a place that then she gave me a book, a book that went through the highs and lows and the joys and the wins and some of the pains of our relationship. It's one of these things online where you can pick the drawings and put words in it. And it was so moving to me. It is my most favorite gift. Um, I can't say enough about it. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because... I want to stir you up to encourage you that it matters. All the times you don't want to lean in to the pain, to grow that relationship. All the time, all the times you don't want to study the differences and let the irritations become a place that compel you to grow and change and learn more about who you are and who they are. It matters. It adds up. So cool story. Uh, second moment before I get into some of these questions was... Um, sitting on the patio with my kids. It just happened. You know, I'm out there hanging out, doing my thing. On the weekends in the summer, I like to to really bring the moment down, right? I get the fire pit out, and uh, we've had a dinner. We've grilled. I get my music. I got this Bluetooth speaker. I'll put it right under my chin, and I just wail. I mean, I sing like I'm a member of Soundgarden. Um, It's compelling entertainment for all the neighbors. I trust that that is how they... uh, perceive it. But so I'm out there listening to some music and, uh, you know, my kids are just there and it kind of random look up and then boom, they're all three there. And we just start sharing music with each other. And it was a really cool moment of them sharing what they enjoy, like with no fear of judgment. I don't know that I could have, uh, 
done that and had that courage at their age and their place uh, to, to share the music that they love. And then I did the same, and it was so much fun. And of course, they know a lot about the music I like already, but while they were doing that, I'm like, yeah, I love this Alice in Chains song in high school and, and still, and I'm playing it and, of course, trying to turn it down real quick at a few moments, and they laugh because, hey, we're all enjoying the artistic expression that helps us put words to our feelings. Mm, Love it. Love music. Anyway, so both of these moments came out of consistently learning to live and relate out of a secure identity. Do I do it perfectly? No, I've shared on this podcast many times about my mistakes, but consistently showing up and being engaged matters. And in just a fresh, cool way, I was able to see um, the payoff from that and how beautiful it was. So Hey, if you're listening to this and you're at a place where you are uh, thinking about having a family one day or you're early in your family trajectory, uh, uh, kind of like a side moment here, the quality time doesn't happen without the quantity time. First and foremost, the key principle, yes, you've got to learn how to be a secure parent and show up in a secure way. And this whole episode is not about parenting, but just allow me to, to encourage you a little bit on this pathway. I did all I could to be home the nights that I could be and to be home at a consistent time. Uh, I look back now, 17 years of marriage and 14 years of parenting, almost 15 years of parenting. My my oldest shall be 15 next month. Insane! Um, But showing up and being here matters. I have consistently uh, irritated people, bothered people, let them down, uh, not been at places that... Uh, people wanted me to be so that uh, we could be here. And I said, you know, I think I put this in the email that I sent out about this podcast episode. It's the number one decision that I do not regret. Um, I'm so glad I made that decision to consistently be here. And I know we all have different circumstances. And I've been in places where I've had to rebuild my income. I can remember back in 2009, coming to the place that I almost took a second job at night, uh, waiting tables. And I had gotten, I had interviewed and gotten the, the callback that was basically going to come and sign the papers and it was done. Um, and I made a decision at the last minute. No, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to find a way. Now you may be in a completely different place and your decision looks completely different. This isn't a black and white thing. It's a very gray thing, but from a principled standpoint, We've embraced struggle at different places to really build that rhythm, and I'm just so glad. So hope that encourages you encourages you in some way and your journey and how you're processing this. Okay, so let's jump into the questions. Um, these come from different uh, people that have sent these in to dive into the application of a lot of the episodes you're listening to and uh, things that people ask uh, as a result of that. So here is question number one, and these aren't in any kind of specific order. I'm just going to work through what I have. Number one, uh, I've heard it said you don't want to build a life you want a vacation from, Uh, but I find myself getting to the weekend and really wanting a break. Is there something I'm doing wrong? What an honest, vulnerable question. Um, Here's the thing. Everyone's rhythms are different. And I love that uh, saying. I've heard it and read it in different places. I can't remember who came up with it. Maybe it was Seth Godin. That's what pops in my head. But uh, yeah, I don't want to build a life I want vacation from, right? I don't want to go at life 
spending most of my time working, dreaming about the two or three weeks or whatever people do to get away. Uh, in fact, with starting SightShift full-time, uh, we actually, you know, I talked about it with the family. I was like, look, I'm not going to be able to to take a vacation for a while. I need to stay at this every weekday uh, for a while to really get the runway built and then to get the plane off the ground. Um and I, I love what I do. I don't need a vacation from it. But I need breaks. Everybody need breaks. Pros learn how to practice effectively, to play at the highest level in a relaxed state, and to rest as effectively as possible. So they're recuperating. They're rejuvenating. Um, so everybody's rhythm is different, okay? I just think about it this way. I think about it like energy, and I focus on my energy. I've got best I can estimate uh, about four or five big energy units a day so that I could, you know, speak four or five times, four or five really, uh, you know, intense, passionate sessions. I could uh, get two or three work projects done and maybe a big family project at night. I mean, you think about it your way. This just helps me. I've got these blocks of energy and uh, I want to think about how I use those. So, you know, some people say that the average that you can do is about four hours of creative work a day. Uh, you can do some admin and other things that, you know, other parts of your day. I just think about it different than most people. I think about it this way. I want to take my energy units, to use them as well as I can, and then I want to learn how to continually recover under pressure. Because all the pressure is never going to be gone. So people want to get to this point where they get to a vacation and they're like, all right, I'm going to live in a fantasy world where there is no pressure. And I'm all about mentally checking out and and being able to effectively compartmentalize. But the pressure is never all going to be gone. If I were to go on vacation right now, um, I would be able to downshift, rest, play, set aside worries and concerns. But at the same time, I have these giant things on my mind for what the fall could mean. And I'm probably going to get creatively inspired and capture ideas. I'm physically, emotionally, and mentally present in the vacation, but the ideas are going to come. It happens all the time. I took the kids to a water park a few weekends ago, and I'm sitting in this chair chilling, soaking up the sun vibes. It was awesome. Uh, Riding the rides. I love doing that with them. But I was getting a bunch of ideas for a big uh, project that I had that happened last week. It was a a lot of speaking. And so, you know, I'm looking for a few things. One, what can I do each day to decelerate and renew in the shortest time period? Okay. So when I think about this idea of, I don't want to build a life I want a vacation from, here's the way I think about it. What can I do each day to decelerate and renew in the shortest time period? Uh, so for me, that can be grilling and listening to some music. Um, that can be just a number of things, reading, whatever, watching a favorite TV show. Now, you may be wired up in a way that you need to accelerate, right? Some people need to activate themselves uh, because they move in a lower gear and they need to learn how to turn it up. We're all different, but these patterns tend to play out. So your question might be, what do I need to do to accelerate? Um, But I would look at what can I decelerate and renew in the shortest time period. So an hour in the sun by the pool or in the pool is more effective to me than four hours of uh, watching a football game or television, whatever your thing is. So I'm, I'm learning to pay attention to those. Number two, this is a question. 
what can I do at least once in a weekend to completely unwind? I mean, I want to feel everything in me completely let down. Uh, That could be sitting around the fire pit a few hours. That could be going on a long run. Uh, These are my things. You'll find your things. Uh, Third, the human body-mind is crazy capable of awesomeness, but sleep is essential. And so one of the things I pay attention to to not feel mentally fatigued, like, oh, i got to escape my life, Uh, am I getting high-quality sleep each night? Uh, And all of us are in different phases with people we love and kids and whatever, but um, I've found different things that I do just to make sure. I mean, we had at one point one of our kids would get in our bed. Rather than fight that and try to train her and get her back to her bed, I just would go sleep in her bed. It was awesome. I slept. Got a few more hours of good sleep, wake back up. Um, I sleep with earplugs now. I mean, I could go through a lot of different things that I do, but I'm watching that because it's, it's really big for me. Um, second question, what do you do when someone steals your idea in a meeting? Well, you burn the office down. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do that. That would be stupid. Uh, what people do uh, oftentimes in these moments, they go on a scorched earth policy. No, that would not be good. So here's how I would handle it. If somebody were to steal my idea in a meeting, and I've had people do those things, I want to be an idea generator so much that people know they can come to me to get ideas. So I don't want to think about it like, oh, I had one great idea and they stole it. So I want to think about it like, I'm a place of abundance. I'm an idea generator. People can come to me for ideas. So that helps me not get insecure in the moment and think, well, that, that's it. It's over. Um, second, if I have somebody that steals an idea in a meeting, from then on, anytime I tell them something, I'm just going to note that real quick, right? I can send myself an email. I can put it in a document. I can uh, text myself because they have shown themselves to not be trustworthy, And then when they're in the meeting and they claim credit for it, I do not want to aggressively say, hey, hey, I gave you that idea and here it is because that is insecure and childish. childish. But here's what I will do. I'm going to shift the axis of the room. And and you can imagine it this way. If you're in a, a meeting, somebody steals your idea, and they've done it a second time, and you've noted it, okay? And you're an idea person, so you're abundant with ideas. You still don't want to let the moment pass. When they claim credit for it, you shift the axis of the room this way. Get the marker, go to the dry erase board, and start to write on the dry erase board. Yeah. John, I appreciate you sharing that idea that you just shared. You're correct. As I shared with you in my office... Uh, about that idea, but you did not correctly break down this subtle nuance of how you apply it, or you missed this application, or what you want to do is show that you understand the idea and its application and its context in such a way that that without pointing it out like, hey, I'm the one that had that idea, that's childish, you just let them know by showcasing, by shining in a healthy way, your ability to develop these ideas and take them further. So it's not about this contest, who came up with the idea. It's about who's the idea generator and who can apply it 
the highest level or with the deepest level of effectiveness. So it's kind of like a mic drop moment. You're like, yeah, you're right, John. When we talked about that in my office, that was good, but you forgot this nuance. You forgot this point of application, and I want to make sure we don't miss this. You see how smooth that is? And then you just draw it up or write it up or whatever you're doing on the dry erase board, and you go back to your seat. Don't make a big deal about it. Um, What do I do when I don't hit my targets, my quarterly numbers? Um, Yeah, so if you're in a healthy organization, there's going to be specific, clear uh, metrics. That's That's not a bad thing. There are things that uh, in healthy organizations that I'm a part of, heck, our family life, you know, do these things. I, you know, my kids, I love you all the time. If you don't do your chores, there's consequences. You have to perform. Um, First thing, don't panic. Second thing, don't frantically chase activity. Third, breathe. It's going to be okay. And evaluate it. With that mindset, maybe you're, you've got some big stuff about to happen. You're, it just takes time to close bigger deals. Uh, maybe you're wasting your time. Maybe there's um, some ineffective action that you're taking. B, don't be defensive with the people that you lead up with and relate to. Be open. Come with solutions that you're going to do to close the gap and let them know that you're on that and invite them to speak into it. Maybe they see something you don't. Again, it's learning to not always think that your identity is on the line every time something happens. Um, Do you have a recommendation for a resource on developing your mindset? Um, Yeah, you know, it's hard not to be partial on this because I actually wrote a book and you can get it at thewriterbook.com, R-I-D-E-R, thewriter, R-I-D-E-R, book.com. And it is is a narrative where I just imagined... uh, a process happening between a person that is trying to run away from their life and this other person is coaching them. And it's walking through seven mistakes, which are seven mindsets, the seven mindsets that I use um, every day. I meditate on these every day. So awesome people helped me write that book. Brett uh, did fantastic at helping us shape the narrative. And Olivia, uh, wow, just did an amazing job at helping the narrative transition because these are not my strengths or skill sets, but that's there and I'm, I'm super proud of it and you can check it out. Um, the key thing that you want to look for on mindsets is that it is not about like trying to will yourself into thinking differently. It has to be exercise based. You have to struggle through things that develop uh, tighter and clearer and more focused mindsets. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in some of these other questions, so I I won't go too much into that now. Um, What's your simplest model for leadership? Yeah, so I talk a lot about leadership. There's a lot to to say there. Um, I went into this in one of the leadership, uh, the series that we're in now, these 12 skills, um, the templates that I use for leadership. And so this one's just super simple, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It's difficult. And like I said, it demands all of you. The first time I shared this, uh, it's it's going to require all of you. And, and for me, leadership is this, leave everything better. It's just that. Just leave everything better. Um, you want to look at what you're doing to train and develop others. Uh, a little, you know, side application hint clue for those of you that pay attention to what's happening with SightShift and would be interested. Um, man, I can't wait to announce something huge. Uh, 
in the next week or so, hopefully, about what we're doing with site shift and certification. Um, because it's not about the people that I can teach it to. It's about the people that I can teach it to that teach it to others. So I'm going to resist all that I want to go into on that, but just leave everything better. You got to think about it like everything. It's all your life better. It can always be better and move forward and leave. You have to do it in a way like you're not going to be around and that's parenting and that's the role that you fulfill at work. Um, okay, man, I could talk about that one too much. Um, you talk a lot about performance in meetings. How can I be at my best in meetings? Okay, so let me break this down. There's a number of places I could go with this. Uh, let me give you um, just some step-by-step processes that I use that help me a ton, okay? So if you want to be effective in your role, you want to be promoted, you want to move it forward, then I would, if I were you, approach it this way. And this is all tied to meeting performance. Number one, I'm going to stir up my desire and give myself mentally the promotion that I want. So I'm going to walk in wearing that title, not in an arrogant way, not in a, um, a way that I'm staking out territory that I've got to defend or fight for. I'm just going to carry a mantle on my mind that's like, yeah, I'm comfortable taking every chance I can, every moment I can to encourage everyone to train them with the knowledge that I have and to hold them accountable to the vision. Now, I, I've lived this and done this um, to the point that I actually had a person that I reported to that eventually everybody on the team started coming to me and the person that I reported to, uh, he was a healthy, mature person and uh, he resigned because he saw everybody was coming to me. So I replaced him without even in, in a negative way, like trying to take his job, I just carry that emotionally and mentally. So I'm going to give myself the promotion I want. That shapes a mindset for how you carry yourself in meetings. You don't have to control it. You don't have to be dictatorial in the meeting, but you're ready to show up and make a contribution. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give myself the title second I'm going to imagine the meeting going good and bad. Now, I talk about this with scenario switching in Reframe Everything, the first episode of this podcast. You want to learn, if you're going to be at your highest ability to perform, to picture something going good and to picture it going bad. And I'm going to see it going good in the meeting and going bad, and me walking out of the room still relaxed with who I am, still secure in my identity. Okay, so this is a key skill. Third, I'm going to... uh, have a list of stories ready to tell. So I encourage you to do this in different places, but build a spreadsheet, start capturing stories. Storytellers, if they're brief and succinct, can impact the room more than somebody that's just hitting the issue right on the nose. Uh, So I've spent other time with that in places, so I don't want to go into that uh, too much. So third, it's about the, the storytelling. Next, I want to practice different phrases, roles, and uh, ways of being and relating in the mirror. So look at the episode Master the Meta Roles, where I talk about leader, empath, sage. Practice those in the mirror. Practice saying the phrases that are associated with those roles, telling people, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, that's good, but we can do better. I mean, whatever it is, uh, you want to practice these. And I went into that in that episode, so you have to listen to that one. Um, Next, I want to spend at least 15 minutes thinking about what is the crucial issue in the meeting, what's the real problem, 
and what solution steps I believe should be pursued. Now, I'm going to go in there with an open mind and allow my mind to be changed and to watch things play out and and to maybe not give what I was going to give, but give something else. Uh, but I want to prep. Too many people don't prep. And then last, I want to speak with as much clarity and succinctly as possible. I want to leave them wanting more, but I also want it to be very understood what I'm saying. So hopefully that will help you as you look at uh, your meeting performance. Um, Okay, next question. What do I do when someone I relate to, I'm trying to change the wording here to make it make sense to everyone. What do I do when my friend, I'm asking for a friend. They don't say that in this question. What do I do when my friend isn't making changes? Do I leave the friendship? Uh, This is difficult, right? We talked a little bit about this a few episodes ago um, about this idea that, you know, upgrading friendships and how hard that can be. You live out of who you are and this process tends to take care of itself. Uh, I would say it this way. You want to look for how much people actually want to make changes in their lives. So sometimes I'll get this question, Like, uh, how do I know if somebody really wants to change? Well, the first thing I do is just ask it. Do you mean it? And then two, I'm going to give them a step they can take. Um, You know, I really want to change this about me. Oh, that's awesome. Do you mean it? Okay, then take this step. So even with friends, it can be like, hey, I see how you're doing this different. And, you know, I want to be more like that. I believe you. Okay, but do you mean that? then take this step. So do you mean it? Give them a step they're ready for. Uh, Next question. Should I seek out a co-founder for my company? Um, You know, here's the thing. I deal more on the relational side of things than the legal and financial side of things with this stuff. And I have people around me that help with the legal and financial. uh, But my focus and sweet spot strength is on helping those relationships be as good as they can be developed to the highest level. It's relational first, then contractual. That's that's a healthy relationship. Uh, or I help people at different points navigate when they're in troubled waters. So here's the question I like to ask people. If they're evaluating either getting one or staying in one, think about it like a marriage and ask this question. Would you arrange this marriage? Hmm. See, because whatever qualities you're overlooking right now that irritate you, if the relationship is already in place or you're thinking about putting it in place, those will get worse. And whatever qualities uh, you're overlooking that are their strengths, right, you may fail to capitalize on those. And you've got to understand that the differences that you have, you're either going to have to learn to appreciate those or those irritations are going to drive you apart. See, it's a lot like a marriage. And so if you're not ready to invest in that, then don't do it. Um, I would say strategically, you don't want to be 50-50 in companies. That's not healthy. There needs to be a leader. Even when I do things where I've started little stuff and side projects, and I'm like, hey, we'll split this profit 50-50, but I'm going to be 51% decision maker, or you're going to be 51% decision maker. I want that spelled out because there doesn't need to be ties. Uh, There is a person that needs to lead, and uh, it's dangerous. 50-50 never works. You'll you'll find an exception, but I can't even think of one right now. I mean, it just just tends to go off the rails so quick. Okay, 
Uh, I'm leading a new team. What should I focus on first? Um, I've shared this before, but real quick, give the framework of what you expect. Then use meetings to reinforce the framework. So you're going to create space for them to push back. You're going to hold them accountable to that framework. It's going to be an open dialogue. But whatever your framework is, I mean, if it is, you know, I've heard different ones, but um, work with excellence. Um, Always communicate problems to your boss. I'm just making these up off the top of my head. And uh, make sure you have a lollipop every day at 3 p.m., whatever. Uh, Then what you're doing in the meetings is reinforcing those three things. Uh, And then I'm going to have one-on-ones with people. And I'm going to say, put me in your world. Help me understand your world. Uh, And I'm going to give them space on my calendar to interact with me in a one-on-one format, let's say once a month, depending on how many direct reports it is. And I'm going to have space in my calendar like weekly. It's an open door, maybe Tuesdays, Thursdays, 2 to 4 p.m. so that they can you know, not get stuck and come to me with issues though. There's buckets that they can put it in. Um, okay, let's go on. Should I even have a team? Um, maybe I should have asked that, done this one first. Well, here's the thing. A team is going to help you expand your impact exponentially. So absolutely. A team's going to grow your leadership. It's going to develop your abilities. Now, I know that there are some people that right now are really going, hey, I only want to have a company of one. That's fine. If that's what you want to do, great. Um, that is, there's nothing wrong with that. But but a big mission, a big vision is going to take others. And if you don't want to, uh, and I think about this like a marriage, like I said, if you don't want to have to call when you don't come home, right? Uh, Like having a schedule. If you don't want to think about, um, you know, like a marriage, you know, it's, it's our money. You got to pay them. It's not just your time anymore. You got to develop them. It's not just a matter of you doing what you want. You've got to learn to communicate roles and vision. And it's like having a roommate, right? Now there's give and take. It's not bachelor life anymore. So those things to me are worth the trade-off, because I love the deep relationships that form when you go after a mission together. The deepest bonds of community come from a shared mission when each of those team members is living out of a secure identity. It's amazing, okay? I've been in team settings where it was exhausting, demanding, and too much time took too much time because of inefficiencies and drama. I don't want that. I'd rather be a company of one. But when you learn how to be dialed in as a leader, secure in who you are, having a team is a very effective way to multiply yourself and have a blast doing it. Um, and you may be a person who, you know, you're, you structure your schedule to only be around the t- team certain times a week. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, I was humiliated at work last week. Now what? Who? yeah, these happen. And um, I, I, I don't want to fly at such a high level that I am invalidating this question, but this is what helps me in those moments. And this is actually from my mindsets, stuff that I read over every day. And, it, and it's, it just goes like this. Pain, problems, and humiliations don't diminish me, but are the opportunities for the growth and expansion of who I am. So present problems are a gift because I learn, number one, who I am apart from my problems. Number two, how to face reality with courage. Number three, how to take creative action. Number four, how to develop my perseverance. So if you've been through that recently, Learn in a fresh way who you are apart from what happened that felt humiliating. Face the reality 
right, of the situation, have the courage to go, this is what happened. Three, now take creative action. Four, develop your perseverance. And if you'll let those kind of seep into you, the specific tactics that you need to take uh, will be there. Um, okay, you talk a lot about hype and hype versus motivation. Can you explain those uh, in the simplest way possible? Yes. Uh, for me, it's like this. And I think about the book, The Talent Code, I've referred to it before. If you have to ask if somebody is passionate about it, they're not. Motivation has to be intrinsic. And we're learning now that you can stack your life with all kinds of external triggers, but at the end of the day, it's got to come from your desires. Like neurologically, we're learning that. So I spend a lot of time with people trying to help them be honest about their desires and strip away the BS. But here's the simple answer. When you make someone else responsible to energize you, that's hype. When you accept responsibility to continually re-energize on your own, that's motivation. Um, okay, if I had limited resources, should I develop myself or my team? Uh, that's kind of like me being a barber and you asking if you need a haircut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I recognize that. Uh, I will say this. First and foremost, to work with the business owner, the CEO, or the team leader is the greatest way that I can impact an organization because then they are going to overflow healthy leadership. Um, so it does start with you first. And it, it's the oxygen mask on the plane thing. You know, give yourself oxygen so that you can take care of others. Take care of yourself well so you can take care of others well. So if it's a choice between a really deep dive on developing yourself or something for your team, do it for yourself first. Now, my encouragement to people is stretch yourself because as you invest in your team also, uh, whether that's you teaching them what you learned or bringing somebody in to also facilitate that learning, uh, it elevates the leadership at such a higher level. You, it makes me think of that Zig Ziglar quote uh, where he was asked, what if we spend all this money training people and they leave? And he's like, what if, you spend, what if you don't spend this money and they stay? So people are going to leave, yes, but we want to invest. So, But start with yourself first. Um, I'm having a hard time getting along with uh, my boomer CEO. I find as a millennial, he doesn't understand where I'm coming from. Yes, I get that. I was actually just talking to a... Um, a boomer CEO, and I was shocked because he was railing against how bad millennials are, and they're not dressing up for work, and you know they don't have grit, and they quit too early and too emotional. And I'm, I'm literally trying to tell my face, like, don't let your jaw drop, don't let your jaw drop, because I work with a ton. I don't even like generational terms, but it sometimes helps for shorthand, but they can be too stereotypical. I work with a ton of millennials that are ambitious and, and I just love them so much and they excite me for the future and it's awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of in a Gen X spot of being in between. And so I see both sides. And, and what I want to say to, to both sides is like, hey, let's, let's learn from each other. The, the boomers can teach the millennials how to compartmentalize and how to perform, Right. But if you learn too much of that from the boomers, you're going to have the late in life, midlife crisis and all the health problems because you've buried stress symptoms for so long and haven't processed things and been healthy and, live authentic, and lived authentically. Uh, but I would say to the, to the boomers, hey, here's what you need to learn from the millennials, that if you're just trading your life 
for payments in a cluttered garage. That's not worth it. You're going to exhaust yourself for a cause that doesn't matter. So be stirred by their authenticity and passion. So a lot more I could say about that, but that's a starting point. And so for you getting along with them, it just be looking for the ways that you can learn from them. You get secure in who you are. Don't feel invalidated by them. And over time, as you move in the effectiveness of your mindset and strengths, they're going to be open to learn from you because really generational differences don't linger very long. We just move into a mindset as a society. And so you know, I'm in the middle and yet I don't care about owning things. I remember being in my twenties living near a lake and I was like, I don't want to buy a boat. I'm going to rent one. Right. That was millennial thinking before that was even a phrase, uh, or, or a way of thinking about, uh, you know, not owning and renting. So it's going to drift to, uh, everyone in a more uniform way thinking similarly. Right. Uh, but we want to learn from the strengths and weaknesses of each other. And there are some on both. And what you can do is just live that out, model that, and then they can learn from you as they, as they watch. Um, okay, one more question. So uh, some stress is good. Okay, so the question is, yeah, I feel like I'm doing something wrong if I feel stressed out. That's basically the question. Am I doing something wrong if I feel stressed out? Um, you know, I see these signs that say good vibes only, and I love it because I feel that way sometimes. Like you come home after a day of making a lot of decisions, and the number one default mode for me would be no drama. I just don't want any drama at all about anything, and that's dysfunctional. It's like good vibes only. Um, that's dysfunctional if I stay in that place for a long time. So what I want to learn to do is uh, be in a place that I understand life has challenging moments, and good moments. There is eustress and de-stress. Eustress is good, de-stress uh, or distress is bad, I should say. So stress is like a bell curve. I've shared this with you before. Too little of it, you're not activated, you're not growing, you're not at the edge of your abilities. Too much of it, strengths become weaknesses, you become sloppy. So there's a, there's a sweet spot of activation there. And the point is not to ever be stressed or challenged. It's just in the moment being able to process it to calm down. The, the most I'll feel like acute stress will typically be like right before speaking and my adrenaline is firing and my heart is racing. My mouth can start to dry up a little bit and it's learning that this is good. These butterflies aren't bad. I've shared this with you before. The butterflies have to fly in formation. Uh, I want to focus and harness this moment. So what you want to learn to do is just process what's happening and go, okay, is this, a, is this a moment of stress because I'm at the edge of my abilities and I'm growing and I'm trying something that makes me vulnerable and scared? Or am I locked up thinking I have to make the perfect decision and perform perfectly? Uh, so I want to learn the difference between those moments and I want to pay attention to them. And when I feel like I've got to perform perfectly and do it just right and I'm making all these mistakes and a lot of self-doubt, I need to calm down. I need a pattern interrupt. I need to go play. I need to get my mind off things. I need to change uh, my my current moment. You know, I need to go for a run. I need to go shoot hoops. Whatever it is, if it's a moment that like, oh my gosh, can I do this? This is scary. It's going to be hard, but I got to go for it. Right? That's you stress. That's me getting out to the edge of who I am and growing. So. Hey, thanks for uh, sending these in, whether you um, 
got yours mentioned or not, feel free to, to email those to me. You can go to siteshift.com and uh, contact me, and I will try to get to these. Sometimes I let them like batch up like this for a while. Uh, real quick, because this is cool, and it is August 3rd when I share this with you, um, and this is only going to be true for the next 24 hours, and in the next 24 hours, this will change, and then it's only going to be available, I think, for you to be a part of it for the next uh, week or so to get um, to get into it. But mybusinessproblems.com will take you to an event, for those of you in Columbus, in two weeks, I'm going to be walking through the nine skills that I use to help train people how to manage effectively, Right. And it's, you know, most of leadership is gray, but management's black and white. Like, this is how to get to your best performance and get others to their best performance. And so it's workshop style. It's the skills. You're going to learn it. It's so much fun. It's a blast. Oop, I just hit my uh, desk here while I'm talking. But it's so much fun. And it's mybusinessproblems.com. And 24 hours early bird is up. After that, it'll go away. So that's for those of you in Columbus. Love to have you if you want to come. But hey, for those of you in Finland and New Zealand and Japan and uh, all kinds of crazy countries that pop up on the geography of this podcast, you're there too. I haven't forgot about you. I'm glad you're here. And I've got so many things uh, in the works to get you resourced in your leadership journey. Um, but those are going to have to wait for another time. Still working on the stuck book also. Look forward to sharing news about that. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully by now you've had a chance to check out SightShift.com to see the new site, ways that I can help you. Have an awesome rest of the day, evening, whenever you listen to this and wherever you are in the world. I wish you the best. Leave everything better and keep sight shifting yourself. Peace.